guys, it's Britt Dowd, and welcome to the Lawn Care Leaders Podcast, where every week we bring you episodes to positively and intentionally impact not only your business, but your leadership, communication, and personal life. Yes, we talk about mowers, fertilizer, and irrigation, but we put an emphasis on growing you as a leader and growing your business skills. We do this through interviews with other small business owners, growth segments where we dive deep on a micro business topic, and documented episodes from our own seven-figure business, Green Again Lawn. All right, lawn care leaders, turn your headphones up. It's time to get back at it. Racing, <laughs> in racing, you're in the car and you're just, you've got this headset on. And you're you've just got picturing a guy. somebody. Yeah, well, you have, this, you have a spotter, and he's a mile away from you, but you hear his voice in your brain because it's in the earbuds, and he's telling you everything, and it, it, it almost feels like there's an angel hovering over you going, oh, that's cool. hey, you need to do this, you need to do this, because when you're in the car, you're, again, you have blinders on because you're in this capsule in this race car, and, and it's, you know, it's 150 degrees in that car, and you're wearing a fire suit, and the car is making so much noise, you could scream as loud as you want, and you can't even hear yourself. Oh, that's cool. You don't you don't have any audio from that, do you? By chance, have you ever saved audio from those? No, I, I've never saved any audio from. It. I'm sure you get it from the like oh, that'd be driver stuff. Yeah, but. that'd be cool though. Ahead by two on Denny here, push them out. Denny's ahead by two out back. Denny will get the energy behind. Truex, high lanes coming one back, Chase and Stenhouse. Now two wide, out back. Chase now ahead by two by himself. Truex ahead by two, bottom lane. All right, guys, welcome back. Thank you for joining us today. I'm excited for today's interview. I am joined on the line with Mr. Nick Carlson. You guys have heard him. You've seen him. You've probably heard him speak before on other podcasts. Running a company called Mulch Mate out of Maryland. Nick, how are you doing out there? Great, brother man. We're doing great. I appreciate you having us on the show. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm super excited. I'm. I'm. Couldn't be more happy that uh, we connected, and I'm. I'm ready to add value to our audience, man. I'm. I'm excited. You're. You're a killer. If anybody knows you, uh, you've been. You've been doing big things. So here. Here's what I want, though, guys. To our listeners, you've probably heard Nick's story already. If you haven't, I will urge you go over to the Green Industry Podcast, Brian Fullerton's podcast, and listen to his story. We're going to take this conversation a little different direction. I'm going to let Nick give his elevator speech, and then we're going to dive deep on three or four questions for Nick. Does that sound fair? Yeah, sounds great, brother, man. All right, hit it up. So um, so I'm Nick Carlson, um, 34 years old, um, founded uh, Doss Manufacturing Home with a mulch mate, cart mate, truck mate. Um, basically started off as a, a 15-year-old kid scooping ice cream and decided one day, I don't like working for somebody, and I, I picked up a lawnmower like a lot of the rest of us, and started cutting lawns in my, my neighborhood. My neighborhood's actually got like two, three, four, five acre lots that I used to, I used to push mow crazy to think that I could do that. But, uh, ended up growing my lawn care business to a good size back in the early 2000s. Uh, I think we started in like 2001 and, um, we made it through the the big recession back in 2007. That was a, a huge deal to get through. And there's lots of tips and tricks I could share. I'd love to share. Um, and then, you know, grew the company to a point where, I basically grew into some headaches and thought, uh-oh, I need to fix this. And so kind of 
took a step back, reevaluated the company, and started to find the problems. And a lot of people like to avoid the problems, and I like to, to find them and, and try to solve them because I, I don't like pain. Yeah. So and that's kind of how we ended up here today, and and you know, searching out all those issues and. You know, we're, uh, we're every day I'm, I'm looking for more problems. So send them my way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what small business is, right? I mean, we're, we're guys that have to solve problems. We have to bring solutions to the table and at least that's what winners are doing. So since you brought it up here, here's my first question for you, Nick is it seems like to me just viewing your story from afar, you are just a knockout problem solver. You had a business, um, on, Podcasts in the past, I've heard you talk about you didn't have standard operating procedures. And I think you read the book E-Myth, had the realization like we've got to put some systems in place and put some systems in place, had equity, had repeatable cash flow. That one problem that was solved allowed you to sell the business. Then you come into a completely different segment of the market and add business to actual business owners within this industry. And that is that is what is now Mulchmate. So to me, just looking from afar, it's like, I want to dig into how this guy thinks, the problems that he's thinking about, how he goes about solving them. I want you to have free reign with this, Nick, but what advice can you give to help others as they tackle these heavy, heavy problems that they're carrying around with them on a daily basis? Sure. So the way I look at it, and I'm a, I guess I'm, I've kind of morphed into a a different thinker, mm-hmm. but I am a, I call it a lazy leader. And what that means is there's, there's a lot of things that I don't want to have to completely have to redo every single day, reteach every single day. If I got a new employee, you know, when you get to train up that new employee, you know, if you rely on your brain constantly, you're the one doing the work nonstop. And so what I did was I would do things, take, take hiring, for instance, if you hire somebody and they work for you for four or five or six months and something goes sideways, good, better, otherwise, and they leave and they get up, you have to replace them. What I didn't like was I had to kind of restart. And I was, that was a pain point. I had recognized that I didn't like that. And yeah. so what I would do is develop things like videos of my expectations. And I would develop um, uh, employee handbooks that were super detailed, you know, 60, 70 pages long. And before that person was fully hired and, you know, in the system, they had to read the book there was the, the um, employee handbook, they would have to take a, a small test and prove that they learned everything in there or at least a portion of it. And then that would show to me, okay, this person cares. This person knows exactly how I feel and how I run my business because everybody runs their business a little different. And then that put everybody in that right state of mind. And so you take that problem solving almost lazy approach. It's really not. It's just, it's the smart approach. You just recognize, I don't want to do this again and again and again and again. And it's kind of like shoveling mulch. You, you don't, I don't, I saw these guys shovel mulch. I didn't want to see them doing it again and again and again. They'd come back and they'd be, they just, they're just worn out. That's a liability to me. And so that's why the mulch mate had come to be, but it all comes back to you. When you problem solve, it's not always the problem. It's efficiency. And so, you do, you, you, you marry the problem solving with efficiency, with just flat out, you know, I'd rather spend this time with my family than having to retrain this guy, yeah. you know, hour after work or, or whatever. And so you just find those pockets in your business and you're able to fix that. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask this for me selfishly and hopefully our listeners get some value out of it. But 
I'm, I'm listening to it, and I, and I understand that, and you're solving problems, and that makes sense. But what is it in Nick Carlson that you feel like you can take action? I mean, because that's the disconnect for some people. So many people see the problem, and the idea of the lazy leader makes sense. But is it the way you were raised? Is it just in you? What advice can you give somebody that they may see constant problems, and therein lies the problem. They they just they don't take action. So what? You know, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Nope. Go ahead. So, so basically, what what it comes down for me is I'm almost too stupid to, to see failure right in front of me. <laughs> as yeah. crazy as that may sound. So I I don't like failure just like anybody else, and I'm I'm not necessarily afraid of it. Mm-hmm. If you don't start to take action, you've already failed. Mm. Mm. And so when you look at things that way and you go, Oh, I'm going to procrastinate. I'm going to procrastinate. I'm going to, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All you're doing is hurting yourself. And I don't want to be the weakest link in the room. When Mm. I step into a room, a, I don't have to tell anybody my abilities. My work should tell people what I can and can't do. And then I also, I don't want to be the weakest link in the room. Like, Like I hate that. I want to be, the best. I want to be the fastest. I want to be the most efficient. I want, I'm not looking for accolades. I'm looking for, I want to lead. I want to lead these guys in in a good direction, whether it's my team, friends, people I don't even know. You know, I get messages all the time. I have, I have a whole board behind me of thank you notes from people going, thank you so much for doing what you do and this and that next thing for, you know, whatever it is I'm doing. And, and I'm not doing it because I, I want, stardom celebrity and that's that's not at all what this is about for me it's to me it's if you touch enough people and help enough people you're gonna win mm-hmm. somebody's gonna that's that's higher than you is gonna is gonna help you yeah. um you know like i i love to have a a i call a rabbit out in front of me so basically somebody i'm chasing that i want to be like yeah. um and I'm, I'm not you know putting that person on a pedestal but you know take like i don't know if you ever heard of um have you ever heard of andy Priscilla? No, he's, he's got a podcast. Uh, it's now called real AF AF, you know, Andrew Sella, but you know, there's other mm-hmm. things that you could think of that, that is, but <laughs> he has a, he has a podcast. It's fire. It is in your face. It's raw. It's real. And I, and I like that. I don't like editing. I don't like people, you know, trying to fool you. And, yep. and Andy, Andy puts out this persona that is just so strong. And so like, do you want to win or not? Yeah. And that's how I feel. Mm. And I think a lot of people can benefit from that mentality of just, dude, you're going to fail. So just get that over with faster. Mm. (laughs) If that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. I'm, I'm tracking right with you, Nick. Um, I'm loving this, man. My next question was going to be, do you, do you feel like you're, you're worried about not, you're worried about losing or do you feel like you're addicted to winning? Because one thing I was tracking on was, it's you almost have to have the fear of doing nothing outweighs the fear of failure and the the fear of doing nothing that's that drive to win you know you think of people like like Michael Jordan they were not focused on Isaiah Thomas during the playoffs they were laser focused on winning getting another championship and they had this addictive personality this addictive mindset to a one track goal. It's the people that are focusing on other people that are losers. That's the, that's the fear of failure. And so I wanted to, I wanted to have you touch on that topic a little bit too. Cause I, I think you're right there. So for sure. So the thing that, that 
drives me is that every like I hear lots of people use the word haters, right? If you yeah. have time to think about that word, yeah. you're losing. You're you're, <laughs> lo- you're you're straight losing. Yeah. When when I go and attack something, I put on blinders. Yeah. I, I put myself in tunnel vision. Yeah. And I, like take Michael Jordan for instance. There's there's a what is, what's the the thing that came out on Netflix or whatever? Um, oh gosh, it was about Michael Jordan. No, I'm obsessed I, with Michael Jordan's brain. He yeah, I think it was the he, I think it was the Last Dance. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's yeah. what it is. So I watched that and I'm obsessed with it. Because, and I'm not a basketball guy. I'm a mental psyche guy. Yes. I think the mental psyche is yeah. so powerful. And it's Michael so intriguing Jordan, seeing how he won in spite of. So many people yeah. look at his story and they think, oh, he's the greatest player in the world. That was easy. He won in spite of people, not because of people. Yes. Yeah. And he, he had this laser focus of, I need to make my muscle memory mm. remember how to shoot a basketball so I don't even have to open my eyes. Yep. And so he was taking excuses away from himself, yep. not everyone else. And he just didn't worry about anybody else. And when anybody on his team drug him down, he jumped on him and said, guys, are we going to win this or not? Yeah. You know, and you're going to, you, you will win as a team, but somebody's got to lead. Yes. Somebody's got to lead and it, it might as well be you. Yep. Why can't it be you? Yep. You know, you're lots of people are going to come up with things and they're going to go, Oh, I can't because of this. I can't because of that. Well, there's always a way. It's just a matter of how bad do you really, really want it? Mm. Man, alive, Nick. This is good, man. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I grew up playing basketball, so I, I love those analogies. Um, so, yeah, it's. I almost picture like a uh, like a horse at the racetrack. They put those things on the side. They can't see anything but what's straight in front of them, and they're exactly. just just running straight forward. Um, that's a, that's a, so back like when I used to race in, in a lower tier racing series. Yeah, we have these national events, just like any other sport. And we would have to weigh the race car and the driver hmm. together. And so we would push the race car up on the scales. They'd weigh the car, and the car would weigh, you know, right at the limit of what you're allowed to run. So say it was supposed to be 3,000 pounds. We'd be at 3,000.025. It'd be right on it. And then they'd say, okay, driver, get on. Well, I- I'm not a short guy. I'm not a small guy. You know, I'm, I'm a bigger package. And so hmm. I'd get on there, and the officials would laugh at me. They'd, la- they'd go, why are you even here? And I'd look at him and I'd just wink at him and, and laugh at him. <laughs> and they'd be like, what? There's, this guy doesn't have a chance. He's 300 pounds overweight, you know, over everybody else that's here. And I'd go out there and sit on the pole, meaning start first. And they'd be like, I'd come back in and, and they'd weigh the car. They're like, how'd you do that? And all it was was the, I'm going to win at, at any cost. It doesn't matter what it's going to take. And then the race would come and I'd run top three. Hmm. And everybody would just look at me and go, how are you doing that? You're not. You have no money. You're, you're an underfunded team, and you're 300 pounds heavier than everybody else. And you and I tell them, that just means I have more weight on the tires to have them have health and stick better. <laughs> That's cool. That's awesome. And they man. just laugh at me. And I, and I would just – the reason that I did better is because I knew I had to work harder right out of the gate where these younger kids that were thinner and lighter than me, they were like, oh, I have an advantage. I'm just lighter. I'll be faster than him. The next thing I know, the next thing you know, I'm passing him yep. because I've got everything so dialed in because I know I had to. Mm. And that's taking the excuses away from yourself and everyone else is the key. And that's like with the mulch mate yep. and everything else we make. People look at it in person and they go, whoa, this thing's better than I thought. And, and I would tell them, well, think about it. I'm just a landscaper from Crownsville, Maryland. I'm not a manufacturer at the time. Now I am. But when I first released the mulch mate, 
nobody should have paid attention to us. Mm-hmm. And I had to take the excuse away from the marketplace. So when they saw it, they couldn't rebuttal me. Yeah. And that's the only way I could get in. And yeah. that's how we did it by taking excuses away. Mm. That's so good, Nick. That's so good. I, I know there, I know our audience is getting some value from this already. I'm loving it. And yeah, there's, you have to have a good product, which you guys do. You have to have a good service to you business owners out there. That's one part of it. But most of the time when it comes to service providers, it's the other side that we've been sitting with and that's the mindset. And that's why at our company here, we, we talk a ton about mindset. We're always doing motivation because it's all about the intangibles. We usually fire because of intangibles. We usually hire because of intangibles. We, we don't like somebody usually can figure out how to work a trimmer or a mower. It's the mindset that they're bringing to your company, whether they're going to stay or whether they're going to leave. Um, all right. So Nick, I want to change gears a little bit here, but I believe that a dream happens three times. It happens in your mind and then it happens written down and then it actually comes to fruition when you take action on it and put it out into the world. I want to know how did that happen for Mulchmate and, and, and go into some detail because it's like looking at you now, everybody's like, oh, he invented something that changed the, the landscape business forever. Yes. But I, I have, you know, a million dollar invention once a year and I just never take action on it. So how, how did you do that? Well, like, how did you, how did you literally go from a, a dream or an idea to paper to actually having it come to fruition? So just so first off, so everybody understands, I have n- no machining background. I don't have an uncle with lasers and, and CAD modeling and all that. I had zero. You don't, have, you don't have a weird uncle, Nick? No, I have nobody. I know, no you, I know you got a weird uncle. <laughs> There's somebody out there, I'm sure, but my family is very, very small. <laughs> and that was what I, I didn't like in landscapes. I, I knew other landscapers that had, you know, their aunt was a property manager and they would just hand them jobs. Well, I didn't have any of that. So yeah. what happened, the, the real story real quick was, uh, I bought a turf tech bed edger and I'll, anybody that knows what that is, it's a, it's a bed edger that you can open new beds with. You can redefine beds with, and it really speeds up the process. And I bought one and it revolutionized my spring mulching season. It cut it in half and it reduced the guys, reduced the time. It was amazing. And, and, it, and it sparked me. I was like, okay, what else am I missing? And so I had found, you know, the next missing link, which was the, the getting the mulch out of the truck or trailer mm-hmm. and to the guys. And so I had, I came up with the idea literally at dinner one night. It was January 2016, and I, I got home and started writing stuff on paper. And I would stay awake for till like three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning for for two months. Just every idea that I could think of, right, wrong, or otherwise, I put it on paper, and then I would just Google search: Is there anything like it? Is there anything like it? And turned out there wasn't. It was the needle in the haystack. You know, looking back on it, but how we persevered between just the thought. And getting it done was, and, and honestly, we didn't persevere at first. At first, it just kind of hung out there for like two or three months, and, and I didn't do a whole lot with it after I did the drawings. I just kind of stalled out and thought anyway. But what it, what really pushed me to do it again was I had an argument with one of my employees. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't listen. His name was Jose, and he, he he literally told me, "He goes, Nick, you go down." And I was like, "No, dude, I'm going to automate you out of this out of this position. Is what I'm going to do." And, I'm obsessed with having your machinery do the work for you or, or your, or your people or your systems. And so 
I got, I had a chip on my shoulder and I still kind of carry that today. And I said, no matter what happens, I'm going to do this. And in my brain, I thought, I'll make this in three or four months in my garage because I have a little bit of racing fabrication background. Well, I was dead wrong <laughs> on that. <laughs> and so what pushed me through it was once I had the idea and knew that there really wasn't anything out there, I, I, I just, I had this fire in me that I couldn't put out. And I felt like if I didn't finish, like no your day isn't worth a darn if you don't finish. Mm. You know, if you go to a landscape job and you, you put down your pavers and you get your, you know, your fire pit in and all that, but if you don't cap the wall off with your caps, it's not done and no one's going to pay you. And so for me, it's like, I have to finish this thought. At, it doesn't matter if it looks like a piece of junk. I'll just keep going until it's not. And so the, the, the drive to finish and not be embarrassed. Like I had told a couple of my really close friends about it. And I didn't want to get embarrassed. Oh, he didn't finish. You know, look, oh, mm-hmm. oh, that guy didn't do it. And, you know, if you, I kind of pretend all the time that I have my mentor watching me. So if I'm racing, it's my crew chief. I feel like my crew chief or my father's right on my shoulder going, you know, you got to do this, you got to do this. And, if, and I pretend that all the time with whatever situation I'm in. And so with that, it was myself just kind of going, dude, you got to go. You gotta get that's cool. Done. That's cool. And so that's how I see it, at least. That's awesome. Uh, I, and your last comment, I was I was being really serious, but then your last comment made me think of Talladega Nights, Ricky Bobby's dad, just in the back back of his mind. Have you seen that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. In racing, in racing, you're in the car and you're just you've got this headset on, and you're you've just got picturing a guy. somebody. Yeah, well, you have this. You have a spotter, and he's a mile away from you, but you hear his voice in your brain because it's in the earbuds. And he's telling you everything, and it, it, it almost feels like there's an angel hovering over you going, oh, that's cool. hey, you need to do this, you need to do this. Because when you're in the car, you're, again, you have blinders on because you're in this capsule in this race car. And, and it's, you know, it's 150 degrees in that car, and you're wearing a fire suit, and the car is making so much noise, you could scream as loud as you want, and you can't even hear yourself. Oh, that's cool. You don't, you don't have but any audio from that, do you, by chance? Have you ever saved cool. audio from those? No, I, I've never saved any audio from it. I'm sure you get it from the actual driver stuff. Yeah, but. that'd be cool, though. Um, okay, so let, let's transition again here. Um, you're you're obviously competitive. You have a drive sure. to win. Do you need, and this is this is going off script a little bit, but do you need a chip from something on your shoulder? I, I, I do this all the time. Like, somebody pisses me off. And I can let that fuel me for like half a decade or somebody tells me that I can't. And that's, that's literally all I need. Um, and it could be anything. Maybe, maybe you want to, you carry a chip on your shoulder because you want to make your parents proud or I don't know. But do you think, do you think you need that as a business owner to make it? You do. Um, you have to be very careful because it can also be, you know, the thing that slows you down the most. If you here, here's how I see it. No matter what happens, what you think about the most will happen, mm-hmm. period. It, because your, your mind is so powerful. Again, I'm a psyche guy. Yeah, what you focus on expands. It's just like take it back to driving. If you're looking at the side of the road, you're normally going to veer to the side. Exactly. So keep your eyes, and in, in for me in racing again, keep your eyes and your steering wheel pointed where you want to go. Mm. Know where it is you want to go. Like Some people put goals out in front of them, and they're, they're, they're so lofty that they're, they're literally, they're unattainable in the moment. 
and they get very that frustrates them. But we, what I do is I picture it like a pizza. You can't eat an entire pizza in one big bite. So divide it up into slices, and then take on a slice at a time. Mm. You know, have that like right now. I'm in my office at Mulchmate, and I've got a vision board right in front of me. It's got a house. It's got a really nice car. It's got a golf course on it. It's even got a private jet on it. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. And I, I stare at that every single day, and I go, "What's my next piece that I need to do to get there?" And yeah. so what I do is I keep a book in front of me. I don't, I don't know if you can hear it or not, but it's right here in front of me. And I'm wiggling the paper. And um, I put down every thought and every chore that I have for myself for the day. Every thought, everything goes in that book. And I refer back to it. And I time it out. And I set myself mini goals. And so by the end of the day, when I have that whole goal list knocked out, I won. Mm. And, and that's another bite, another slice of pie gone yeah. to get you closer to that goal. So that's how I feel about it. That's how I go about it. The mind controls everything. Everything, everything, everything. That's really good, man. That's really good. I like that. Um, I'm going to stick here for just a couple more seconds and get your opinion on it. But, yeah, so we both agreed, like, you've got to carry a chip on your shoulder. Uh, we we touched on this a little earlier. You said, you know, you almost, you're almost numb to risk. I can't remember the exact verbiage you used. But I, I feel that way. Um, sometimes I almost feel, I don't know what the word is. Is it narcissist? Or sometimes I don't have like emotion for certain things that I should. And I think it gets me into some good situations, but also some bad situations with, with relationships. And I've tried to dial in on why. And I think it's because of, because I've got a family and, you know, I've got two young daughters and I should feel some of the risk. But like when I'm out in the marketplace, it's like a game to me. And I, I do carry this chip on my shoulder and I'm always wanting to take the big shot. I'm always willing to, to cross over and make a risky pass, even though I know I could turn the ball over and I'm numb to the risk. And I think it's because of this competitive drive. Um, and again, I, I don't know if this is making sense, but I want you to speak to that a little bit too, because I do think there comes a point for every small business owner where you have to, you have to get numb to the risk because if you're super afraid as you're taking the risk, the creative part of your brain shuts down and you, you can't think properly touch on that a little bit since you're such a mindset guy. So the way I see it is, you know, if you're, if you're worried about providing for your kids, like I have two, I have a boy and a girl, one and four years old, and I never am scared to, to risk everything for them. Because if I don't risk everything from them, then I'm going to put them in a place that's not as good. Yeah. Period. You're, if you don't take the risk then you're ultimately just going to muddle around and sit in the same position and flat out, I'm not happy with where I'm at, yeah. right? And so the risk actually becomes the, the normal. When you do it enough, you, people can see when you're scared. Like a dog can, can sniff out fear just like your customer is going to sniff out fear on you. Yeah. So when you go into the situation, you have to know you've done your due diligence and you've done your homework when you show up to a customer. And again, you take away the excuses from the customer and then when – when you're there and you get done with talking to them, they just go, well, duh, why wouldn't I sign with this guy? Yeah. And it, it doesn't, it goes from you're afraid to you're in full blown control and you almost can dictate what the customer thinks and wants because you just directed the conversation in the direction you wanted, not what mm-hmm. they wanted. And you end up, because think about it, think about this for a second. 
the people that are calling you to do work for them, right? Are they landscapers? Do they know landscaping as good as you or grass cutting or whatever it is you're doing? No, you're the professional. So you have, you are required to lead them in a direction that is good for the landscape. And yes, they can input a little bit of what they want, but you can steer them in the direction you want. Yes. And that, what that ends up doing is it keeps you away from failure because if you let people guide you, they're going to direct you to failure because they don't know what you know in your field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So stay away from other people that, that aren't professionals in your field. Yep. You're the professional. You remember that. Mm-hmm. That's what's most important. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, and it kind of ties into one of my favorite quotes is you get what you tolerate. And so wherever you draw the line, somebody's going to step over it. And so you've got to be the one to draw the line for your clients and you tell them and you're adding the value. I love, I love that. All right. Simple question here. We're going to switch gears again. Um, I think I keep saying switch gears cause we're stuck in this. I have this NASCAR mindset over this entire talk <laughs> now. Um, but you're, you're a good, you're a good networker, great networker. Um, why? You know, I, I never used to be. Uh, I'm a, I'm an introvert. I, I'm, I'm not the kind of guy that likes to put himself out and everybody that's trying to listen to this live at me right now because it doesn't seem that way. But switching from my, my landscape career to my manufacturing career, what I learned was people, good people, strengthen good people, right? And, and if you try to take on the world by yourself, it is 10 times harder. And what I've learned is Take, for instance, when you're, when you're doing landscape, for instance, I used to be the kind of guy where it's like, stay away from all the other landscapers. Don't talk to them. You know, they drive by each other. Don't wave. Don't do anything. Yeah. And what, what, I, what I really regret is that. I really yeah. regret doing that as, as a landscaper. And I, what I should have been doing is I should have been calling them and I should have been building that relationship with them. Whether they wanted it or not, they knew where I stood. Yeah. And you never know who's going to reach out and help you. Yeah. And, and so... You know, the, the, the whole networking thing with me, it basically is I took on the mindset of I want to help. I want to help everybody that I can because in some form or fashion, it's going to strengthen all of us. And if I can strengthen the market somehow by the, all the years of knowledge that I have, I'm basically creating a larger, stronger customer base for myself as well. Mm. So it's, it's lift everybody to the highest point you can and give as much as you can and you'll, you'll get, you know, without ever having to work hard. Like think for instance, right now, there are so many young guys, the 15, 16, 17, 18 year old guys. I talk to them constantly. I'm, I must, I must talk to 40 of them a week. It's actually eating up a lot more time than I expected. But yes, those guys can't afford a mulch man right now. But guess what? In five years, they're probably all going to own mulch man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's seed planting. It's, yep. you know, it's, it's, fertilize those suckers and let them germinate and just give, 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 give. And people will end up turning into your sales force. They will like, yep. you may never buy an ultimate and that's fine. I'm not here to, to have you buy one. I'm here to try to add value and somebody somewhere is going to go, bam, that guy is real raw and I can believe him and I can trust this company and bam, there you go. That's beautiful. And I man. hope everybody follows that. That's beautiful. It's almost like, you know, to be a good networker, you you reverse it completely. You're you're helping the other person first. You're mm-hmm. adding value. You're truly caring for them. And thus that creates a win win situation. And you're you're top of mind whenever 
they knew, do need a service like yours. Um, mm-hmm. It's that's awesome. That's awesome. I kind of picture it like so with the mindset. You can have a positive mindset or a negative mindset, and on the track of like you waving at landscapers, you can you can be positive or you can be negative. So as you're going about your day, we all leave an impression with somebody there. Whenever you're at a company, you may be at a company and you know, in two months you're going to leave. Well, guess what? You're leaving a stamp right there. And so we have a choice on our day. It's almost like we drop these little pieces behind for everybody else. And when they pick it up, does it, does it positively impact them or does it negatively impact them? Because I promise you, whenever they pick it up, one thing's for dang sure, they're going to associate it with you. You left it there. You, yep. you you left it there. So it might as well be positive. Might as well help them. And uh, I think that's what you laid out perfectly for networking. All right, let's talk. I love your authenticity, Nick. That's one thing that just exudes off of you. Saw it at Launchpreneur Academy. Didn't get a chance to talk with you outside. Seemed like every time I wanted to, both of us were talking to somebody else but the (laughs) um actually the one time i was going to i was like well dang he's got like six people sitting around him like that's a pretty long bathroom line i'd rather just go so (laughs) um yeah it was was a bit crazy yeah it was it was it was good crazy so real small business authenticity the importance of scraping your knees day in and day out and not trying to hide it from the public like you don't have scraped knees, like you've got it all together. I want you to share about the importance of that, and then you can kind of segue or parlay that into people bragging about team members and that being the wrong metric to focus on. Yeah, it, you know, it's a really simple analogy. I love analogies. I kind of live in, in my time. But when you work with your hands, what do your hands build up? Callus. Callus comes from hard work you know, scraping and cutting them, you know, it, it shows the, the person that you are, um, you know, some, some, it's okay not to have callus, but, you know, as you go, you build a thicker skin. And, and the thing that I absolutely thrive on is I thrive on problems. I thrive on, you know, when a customer had a problem, that was your opportunity to show them the man, woman, whatever you are, how you handle it. Right. And it's not what happens to you. It's how you handle it. And being able to, to, you know, take one on the chin is something that isn't natural to any of us humans. We all don't like to, to get busted up or to be corrected. And when it hurts the most when you already know that you're not quite doing something right. So the faster you can get to the honest truth of something, the faster your, your wound, your, your bleeding is going to heal. And people see that people see how you handle yourself. They see when, you know, you handle a situation, whether it's a customer, it's an employee, family member, you know, you can choose to fight it and choose to prove that you're right. Or you can adjust and go, well, I see your point or sure. Mrs. Smith, you know, is there a little rudder here from the tractor? Tell you what, no problem. I'll take care of it. You know, don't worry about a thing. And yes, it may cost you a few dollars up front, but guess what? She's going to go to the next customer, the next neighbor and say, you know, I had a problem, but he jumped on it and didn't make a single excuse. And that makes you look better Mm. than anything else in this world, period. I made more money off of fixing problems than I ever did trying to sell something because that genuine 
approach is so easy to see. Man, that's awesome. That is really, really good. That is really, really good. To our listeners now, Nick just wrapped up perfectly problem-solving. And I love what you said. It's not what happens to you. It's how you handle it. Life's going to throw you curveballs. Life's going to happen. You're going to get knocked down. It's not what happens to you. It's how you handle it. You've got to be a problem solver. I love it, man. I love it. I, I know we've been chatting a while, and I want to respect your time. I want to give you a few minutes to prop up MulchMate and plug yourself. And this has been, I mean, in in under 30 minutes, Nick, you have given so much value to our audience. So tell them if they have more questions about MulchMate or want to further the conversation on some of the topics here, where can they find you? Uh, just check us out online at www.mulchmateusa.com. That's our, our main website. Um, I personally control all the social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, gosh, there's so many of them. Google, uh, gosh, what's that? Oh, TikTok. I don't really deal with a whole lot on there, but still, um, you, could, you when you reach out, you're getting me um, just because I, I want the authenticity and the real, and I like to kind of keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on. Um, but, um, you know, mulch me, the cart mate, the truck mate, even the hitch mates now for the stand on mowers, the pool, different, um, you know, accessories, aerators, uh, top dressers, rollers, you name it. Um, the, the whole point of us developing these things is to help people, help humans, help their bodies. You, you have one back. You can't replace your spine. You know, yeah, you could probably replace a knee or a hip, but let's avoid that with mm-hmm. automation. Let's avoid that with our products. And, and you know, yes, I understand that is the cart mate cost more than a wheelbarrow? Yeah. Guess what? It also does a heck of a lot more. Yeah. Um, you know, take your company and, and utilize the thing that I find that one of the biggest problems I find this in is people fall in love with the old ways of how things are done. Yeah. And they, they shun anything new. Yeah. If, if I can just suggest try, it doesn't have to be our product. Try your best to keep an open mind and instead of going, well, I don't understand it, ask the question, help me understand what it is I'm looking at here and let the person that's showing it to you or the website read through it, have an open mind and heart because you never know what's actually out there that's going to just absolutely change your life. Because at the end of the day, our goal is to get home to our kids and our families or just if you're single, your own self, wouldn't you rather have a lot more energy to ride dirt bikes or fishing or go to a sporting event and when they ever come back, but you know, wouldn't you rather sit there and not be in a whole bunch of pain? You know, yes, I understand that a lot of these guys are young. They're 20. They, they take on the world. But guess what, dude? I'm 34, and yeah, I, I have a brace on my ankle right now because I've been beat up so many times, and that's just unacceptable to treat your body that way. You have one body. Treat it right. Get it what it needs. You know, get the equipment that takes care of yourself, your business, and all your liabilities. I love that. I love that value add that you're, you're bringing to our audience, you know, set aside the, the efficiencies of this piece of equipment. I mean, you add this into your fleet. I'm sure you're going to, I don't know what your numbers are. You can give them to me if you want, but you're going to three X, five X, 10 X your efficiency and bring in more profit. But at the end of the day, you know, you'll, you'll get to a point where that's, that's, that's important. But when you want, you want time with your kids. I remember specifically, I would come home from aerating and seeding. We had the Classen T25 red aerator. And I mean, it was like 
It was like wrestling a cow all day long, man. I would come home. I would just like want to sit in the ice bath. And I've got kids. I've got a wife. And I, I want to have energy to be with them, but I've just laid it all out there. So if you can find something to make your life better, make your home, like that's why we all get into business. And somehow, you know, instead of fulfillment, we settle for success and I love I love that pitch. I love that pitch. We we need to uh, we need to start focusing on that more as an industry. Getting getting home, having margin not just in your pocketbook, but margin with your energy level, margin and time with your family is the most important thing because that's why we all set out to do this. We set out to have a better life, and yeah. lifestyle and health is a part of that. Yeah, it one hundred percent is, and the thing that everybody. You get so wrapped up in wanting to do the best you can for your family through your business. Yeah. You forget the fact that you're doing this for your family, but yet when you get home, you're yeah. trashed. Yeah. You're just you're just beat up, beat down. And let me tell you something. When you're 40 years old, your wife isn't going to want to be around a cripple. No. <laughs> you know? And that's why, like, if you notice, I didn't just try to sell mulch mate and cart mate. I, I tried to sell a lifestyle. Yeah. Right? The value of those products give you the lifestyle that you're looking for. You're working for a lifestyle, yep. not for a job. It, it should be more than a job. It, any, anybody can go and get a job. Yep. Anybody. If there, there's a, there's, they're all out there. The reason you're in this industry more than likely is because you want to control your life. You want to control what's going on. But what ends up happening is, is that the business ends up dragging you in and, and, and you forget, you kind of get numb to the fact that, you know, you didn't start this business to, to let it control you started this business because you want to take control of your life. Yeah. Well, take control of your life with the right equipment and Dawson manufacturing has all that for you. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I love it. And, and to, to piggyback on that, I think one of the things that will help as you start to buy equipment like this, build in layers of leadership, it's all strategic thinking. And the problem is we all are good at our small business. We're good at doing the thing. And so there's, there's two sides. There's a strategic side and there's a technical or production side. And so many of us in this industry, our default setting is just go to the technical side. If I need to go pick up a wheelbarrow, I'm going to go pick up a wheelbarrow. And so it's kind of back to that mindset thing is sometimes you have to reinvest into something that may be slightly outside your scope or your realm of what you think is possible to get you to think strategically. Once you fill that margin in your personal life, in your efficiencies, in your systems, it's very addicting and it you you start to feel what scaling up is. And uh, I'll, I'll let you piggyback on that one, one last comment if you want, Nick. Yeah, so it, it's really simple. Stop relying on your body. Yeah. Start relying on your mind. You know, whenever you feel yourself picking up a shovel, stop. If every time you go to pick up a wheelbarrow, Every time you want, you know, a guy wants you on a mower. No, you tell them no. You need to do it. You're paid to, to you know, mow this lawn or dig this hole or whatnot. And what I had done for myself was when when I figured all this out back in 2000, I think it was 12 or 13. Um, I went out and bought a Ford Focus, all six foot four of me jammed in this little Ford Focus. And what it forced me to do was I couldn't tow a trailer. I couldn't put a tractor in the back of it. I couldn't even fit you know, hand tools in there without, without, you know, it being up to the windshield. And I forced myself out of the work and into the business, yeah. you know, all, onto the automating side of the business. And once you just force your own hand, you will, your eyes will be open to a whole new world that you're in control. Yeah. 
don't let that business suck you down and in because at the end of the day, you know, things I was worried about, I was worried about my back being broke and because I did it twice. I was worried about skin cancer being out in the sun and, you know, you have to take care of yourself again. One day, you may not have a family now, but one day you may, mm-hmm. and they're, they're not going to want somebody that's all beat up. They want somebody smart. They want somebody that can produce without absolutely just destroying their time and destroying their body. They want, they want to see, they want to see somebody really smart that can handle that themselves. Mm. So good, Nick, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Don't, don't default labor. Don't default to the shovel default with your mind and default to problem solving guys. This has been fun. Mr. Carlson, I really do appreciate it. I wish you all the best man. And I know our audience is so much better for this conversation. Um, from a mindset standpoint, and hopefully they head over to Mulch Mate and take a look at your equipment and help help their personal lives and their profit margin. Great. Thanks, bud. I really appreciate everything, and I hope the audience pulls some value out of it. And if anybody needs anything, please reach out to us. It's been fun, man. You take it easy. Thank you too, sir. Bye. Hey guys, that is a wrap on yet another episode of the Lawn Care Leaders Podcast. Thanks again for letting us hang out with you and we appreciate you hanging out with us. Please subscribe, leave us a rating and review. And if you found this at all helpful, please help us by sharing the podcast. And uh, we wish that you would continue this conversation. If you want to chat it up about some topic that happened or maybe you have further questions, you can find us over on Instagram, Facebook. Um, We're going to be posting YouTube and uh, LinkedIn content as well. So you can find us on almost any platform. And if you'd like to further uh, grow your business or find out more information about Intentional Growth Advisors or one of our other show sponsors, feel free to click the link in the show notes and you can see those there. Again, guys, thank you so much for joining us and we will be back with you again shortly.